Most High God and babies of the Most High God. We are continuing our journey in the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostle is what it's called, but I like to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 17, verse 1. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. We're continuing to talk about the topic of fortitude, F-O-U-R, fortitude. The four things, love God, love yourself, love others, love creation. Hey, I think y'all got it. I think y'all got it. <coughs> yes, y'all are in trouble with the preacher. Come sit in the front chairs up here. That's right. <coughs> and you too, you're in trouble too, so come sit in the front chairs right up there. Teenagers, what can you do? Chapter 17, verse 1. So we're talking about Paul and his, his journeys, right? He's, he's on a mission trip. He's got a team with him, and they're going, spreading the word of God wherever they go. And when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And that was his habit, you know, going to the synagogue and talking about Jesus. As his custom was, Paul went to the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. In other words, he went to church three weeks in a row. That's uh, a special for Christians today. The average is for Christians is once every six weeks. Did you know that? Once every six weeks. So uh, Paul was above average at this point. He went to church three Sundays in a row. And he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. Uh, now, remember, the Jewish people were waiting on a Messiah. Christ, the other name for that is Messiah. They were waiting on a Messiah to come and rescue them. <clears throat> and by this time in Jewish culture, the Roman Empire had been controlling them for years and years and years and decades and decades, and they were tired of Roman oppression, right? Romans told them everything to do. And they thought the Messiah was going to come with a sword and a spear, and it would be a political excuse me, it'd be, a, it'd be a war that would break out for political reasons to uh, conquer the Roman world. And uh, even Jesus' disciples, some of them thought he was going to come and lead a charge with a sword and, and crush the Romans. But Jesus said, I, I didn't come to bring a sword, right? I, I came to bring peace, right? And so here we find Paul in the synagogue trying to explain from the scriptures that the Messiah was not going to come with a sword, but was going to die on the cross and be raised again and would save men from their sins. And he was using scriptures to do that. Perhaps Isaiah 53 would be a great place to start for him. And he would take that passage of scripture and explain it to him and say, look, the Messiah is not coming on a horse with a sword. He's already come. He died. He rose again for our sins and he lives in our hearts. And so this is what Paul was saying. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting on. Uh, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. Now, women lived longer than men back in the day, just like they do today. And when their husbands would die, they would, they would have the estate, whatever that was. And that's what it means by prominent women. It means women who had money, women of means. And so they also gave their hearts to Jesus Christ and said, we want to follow them and we want to support this mission cause as well. They, they jumped in and did what they could. <clears throat> but the Jews were jealous. 
Now, not all the Jews, some of them gave their life to Christ, but the religious Pharisees, the religious legalists, the people who drew a sharp line and, and you know, the 613 laws that are found in the, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, they added laws to that, right? And added all kind of crazy things. And they, were, they put these huge burdens on people's backs to say, you've got to carry all these laws and do everything right. Matter of fact, you couldn't carry an egg but so many steps, you know, and you, on the Sabbath you... You, know, you couldn't walk with so many feet, and it was, it was crazy. And <clears throat> so they came after Paul because he was saying none of that matters anymore. None of that matters because Jesus fulfilled the law, is what he was saying. And they were like, you can't say that because the law was everything, but the law was not everything. The law was one thing. The Bible says the law was a teacher. It, it teaches us how to, to live right. It teaches us what to do right. It teaches us what not to do, Right? But it teaches us what to do. It's a, it's a teacher. But the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters <coughs> from the marketplace and formed a mob and started a riot in the city. Now, you know, you can, buy, you can find bad characters anywhere, right? If you've been keeping up with the news this week, two of the ladies that accused the Supreme Court justice of doing something have now come forward and said they just simply lied. Simply lied. Read the story. One of them said, I just wanted to do it to get attention. Just wanted to do it to get attention. So you can find bad characters anywhere. You can find them in church. You can find them at the bank. You can find them in the school system. You can find them in politics. Uh, you can find bad characters anywhere. And so they rounded up some bad characters to say some things. They formed a ride in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul. He was staying at Jason's house. In search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city council, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They're all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there's another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. Well, you've got to put up a bond. To make sure you're not going to hide Paul and Silas anymore. Or we're going to put you in jail. It's going to cost you to follow Jesus. It's going to cost you to be a witness for Jesus. We don't hear that kind of preaching anymore. You don't hear that kind of preaching anymore. But if you stand up for Jesus, it's going to cost you. There's going to be a religious Pharisee somewhere that's going to call you out. There's going to be a religious Pharisee somewhere that's going to raise up a bad character to come against you and say, this person's talking heresy. I was called a heretic one time. I was called almost heretic one time. I don't know how you can be an almost heretic. That's like being almost pregnant, right? It's, it's an almost scrambled egg. I mean, really, seriously? Simply because I believe that all the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation today. I was called a heretic, right? And that was from a very religious person who was pious in the church and all that. You're going to be attacked. If you start talking about Jesus and tell the truth about Jesus to your friends, you're going to be attacked. And it's going to cost you something. It cost Jason. Jason didn't, didn't do a thing wrong. He just invited some people to his house to stay here for a few weeks, have a biscuit with him, right? And now he's having to put up bond money, which he probably wouldn't get back. Corrupt government. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. That was their habit. That's where people gathered to talk about God. 
And now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Wow, that's kind of harsh. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scripture every day to see what Paul had said was true. Isaiah 32, 8 says, A noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. A noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. Isaiah 32, 8. Great verse, great scripture. And we find the Bereans were noble people because they didn't come against Paul and say, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about. They said, let's open the scripture. Paul just opened the scripture and show it to us. Let's go verse by verse by verse by verse and show us that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that he wants to save all people. That's why they were called more noble. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So not only were the Jews giving their heart to Jesus, but the Greek-speaking people, the, the Gentiles, they were giving their heart to Jesus too because of this testimony. Now, when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there too. So the people that stirred up trouble in Thessalonica, right, these Jewish religious Pharisees, they heard Paul went to Berea 50 miles away. Now, how far is 50 miles from here? Anybody got a town? What will be the nearest town from here? 50 miles away. Driving distance, that would be Nashville. <laughs> Driving time, that would be Nashville. But, so, right. Shelbyville, okay? Shelbyville, right? Shelbyville. Depends on where you're from. Shelbyville, right? Shelbyville. Okay. 50 miles away. They followed Paul there 50 miles away and began agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea to continue teaching. And the men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join them as soon as possible. Now, we think that Paul went to Thessalonica and Berea in about 50 A.D. Jesus died and rose again in what A.D.? Who's got it? Who remembers yeah, you almost said it, 30. Very good. 30 A.D., Jesus died and rose again. 30 A.D. So from 30 to 50 is how many years? Good. Great. Great. So Paul was born again in 37 A.D. So by 50 A.D., how long would he have been a Christian? How many years? 13 years. Y'all are good. Some great mathematicians here. He was, thir he was a 13-year-old Christian. What were you doing? When you were a 13-year-old Christian. By the time you had been saved and born again 13 years, what were you doing for the kingdom of God? What will you be doing 13 years from now? For the kingdom of God, right? So when you were born again at 13 years, figure out what your age was and what were you doing for the kingdom of God then? Let me, let me rephrase it. I'm not saying you're called to be a missionary or to be a pastor or a teacher or an apostle or a prophet. I'm not saying that. God calls all of us to do a job. And if you've got a job right now and you're joining, it's working great, that's where God wants you. That, that is your job. That's your mission field. Uh, that's just as important as being called to be a pastor or evangelist, whatever. They're all, all jobs are important. They're all equally important. One job's not more important than any other job. All right? But what are you doing in that job? 
What, what are you doing for the kingdom in that job? Do you see it as your marketplace? Do you see it as your ministry place? Do you see it as a mission field? What are you doing there in that job? So we find Paul. been saved 13 years. And, and already he's being chased all over the globe because of his faith. And so he winds up in Athens. And when Paul was waiting on them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. The word distressed here means he was almost angry. Almost angry. I believe Paul had a spirit of discernment. And he could tell when some, some things weren't right spiritually. And it angered him. Because people were worshiping things that weren't real. They were worshiping things that had been made by men's hands. And he came to town. And he's like, look at all the idols. And they were everywhere. By this time, by, by 50 AD, Athens... Uh, 300 years earlier was the, the pinnacle of places to go, right? But by this time, other cities had come to more prominence. It was, it was on its downhill journey, if you will. But still, people came to Athens because it was a, a place where philosophers and people gathered to, to talk. And, and then you had all these idols and statues everywhere, and people would just walk around and worship all of them, maybe 100 idols, maybe 100 statues. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, that is, the Gentiles, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. He went to the marketplace. Listen, you folks are in the marketplace. Students, Matthew, right, you students, Jensen, you're in the marketplace. When you go to school, that's your marketplace. And what you say and do matters. It matters. Right? Adults, when you go to work, it, it matters what you do it's, it's your marketplace ministry if you're retired and not working and you and you work for a service or organization that's a job and you're going that's your marketplace that's your ministry if you're ministering to veterans that's your ministry it matters what you do it matters what you say in that marketplace you know i tell stories all the time and i, I go to all these stores around here just for the fun of it just to see who i can pray for to see who god's going to Put in my path so I can rejoice in that, right? God loves bringing people together in the marketplace. He just does. I don't know if I've told you all yet. I don't think I've confessed to the congregation, but I've got a confession to make. I'm, I am a ham. I know. I know, Melissa. You, you've known that all along. You, I get that. Perhaps you've heard of uh, amateur radio, Right? Amateur radios. So uh, amateur radios, um, little handheld devices, or they sit on a desk and communicate all the way to Australia and back with the, with the ham radio, right? Amateur radio. Back in the spring, uh, I don't know, something I've wanted to do for a long time, one of those things on the bucket list. Back in March, I decided, well, I think I'm going to study and get my ham license. You have to be licensed to use a ham radio, not like a CB. CB, anybody can use a CB. But a ham requires a licensure. And there's three levels of licensure. There's technician, there's general, and then there's extra. And to pass all three of them, of the exams, you have to learn 1,574 facts about ham radio and, and how to use ham radio and airwaves and all that. And so I started jumping through the hoops. And in seven weeks, I'm bragging, in seven weeks from the day I started studying, I took my final exam all three of them, and passed. 
all three. It means seven weeks, right? Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. So uh, I'm now a, I'm now a ham extra. <laughs> extra ham. Y'all knew that anyway. So here, here's the point I was going to share with you. I'm always looking for an opportunity in, in some marketplace to minister to people. And so I joined a ham club. It's a thing. It's a ham club at Stones River Amateur Radio <coughs> Club. And we meet every month. And when I showed up there, I introduced myself as 30, 40 men and a couple of women in the room there. They're hams. And they asked me what I did. I said, well, I'm a pastor. And they said, well, you're going to start praying for us. So now I pray over the start of every ham meeting. And I've been able to pray for some sick folks, some of the folks that had surgery there. I've been able to pray for them. And they call me the preacher. They're, the preacher's here. Y'all watch your language. The preacher's here. And so I, I joined another club because a gentleman sitting there was a part of the, uh, a club that's the um, it's an Amateur Radio Emergency Services, A-R-E-S, Aries, that respond to emergencies throughout the, the county here, but also throughout the region and even in other states. A lot of these men that I'm with helped in Katrina because all the power lines were down, all the cell phones were down, and they were connecting people with their relatives up here or somewhere else using ham radios. They're still using them right now because of Michael. There are a lot of cell towers that aren't operating right now in North Florida and South Georgia because they got, they got blown away. It, everything's just devastated. So there are ham operators right now in, in shelters making sure that the families who are there are communicating with families all around the world. So you might contact this ham who contacts that ham who talks to that person in Britain and says, they're fine, everything's fine. And also getting resources to them. It's a really cool organization. So I'm a part of that as well. That's a whole other group I get to meet with. And, and uh, once again, they, there's a preacher. You know, watch your language when you walk in. So, you know, we can find ministry wherever we look. Right? So join a club. Go, go take yoga or, or Pilates, whatever that is. It sounds horrible, but <laughs> join a club and minister to somebody, right? Be a friend to somebody. That's, that's what Paul did. Anyway, so verse 18. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers begin to dispute with him. The Epicureans believed that all life is pleasure and that feelings were the most important thing, right? The Stoics were from a man called Zeno, Z-E-N-O. He started this. These guys lived around 300 to 270 B.C., somewhere in their neighborhood. The Stoics were just what it sounds like. Reason, duty, ignore pleasure. They were the Spocks of the universe. Live along and prosper, right? <coughs> no feelings, right? Some of them ask, what is this babbler trying to say? What is this babbler trying to say? Now, the word babbler is really interesting. It comes from a Greek word which means seed picker. You heard me right. Seed picker. Pick seeds. Back in the day, a babbler would be someone who heard all the other philosophers talking and would take some of what this one said and 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 put it together as if it were his own. They were plagiarists. And so they're accusing Paul of plagiarism here. You're just grabbing stuff out of everywhere. But we've never heard this stuff before. We just believe you're grabbing it from somewhere, mixing it all together, and it's not really the truth. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They'd never heard of the resurrection. This was new to him. 
Then they took him and brought him to the meeting at the Areopagus. This is the Supreme Court, if you will, where people sat around and debated these things. Where they said to him, may we know what this teaching is that you're presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. And all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. This was the first Facebook. <laughs> I'm just saying. They spent their time doing nothing but talking and listening about the latest ideas. Let me say that one more time. They spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Do you know that people in Brazil uh, are on their cell phone looking at data longer than anybody else in the world? Four hours and 48 minutes. Four hours and 48 minutes a day on their cell phones. You know America's third? Two hours and 37 minutes a day on their cell phone looking at data. And they're all on Facebook. Right? You can just see the post. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. You see, they had a God for everything. And just to make sure they had their bases covered, they had one name, the God of the unknown, just in case they missed something. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by hands. Write that down. Underline that. Underscore that. God does not live in temples made. He doesn't live in this building. He, he lives in us when we gather in this building. We are the church when we gather. He's present in us when we gather. When we scatter, he's present with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Ever. You never have to pray, God, come be with us. God, come be with me. You never have to pray that. Right? Because he's always there. Right? He, says, he says, I got that. What, what's, the next, what's the next request in your prayer line? The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by hand. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Never make the mistake that you can give something to God. You may bring your tithe 10% every week. Praise God if you do. We need that here, right? But never, 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 ever think that God needs your 10%. He owns it all, and he doesn't need currency. He doesn't need coins or cash or checks or Bitcoin. He doesn't need any of that to do what he needs to do. Right? He doesn't need your dime or your dollar. Now, you honor him when you do that, obviously. He doesn't need us singing. He doesn't need us preaching. He doesn't need us worshiping. He doesn't need us doing any of that. But he's pleased when we do. He doesn't, God doesn't need anything. If he needed something, he would not be fully God. Right? So in his being, in his essence, he is all and all. That's why he can say, I am that I am. I, I don't need y'all. But I like y'all and I love y'all and I would like to have a relationship with you. Right? From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. Isn't that great? 
God's just right here. This morning, God is just right here. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is right here. Just say, I want to be saved this morning. I want Jesus in my life this morning. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Just say that. He's right here. He's not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, look what Paul used some of some of their own poets that they had followed. He used some of their phrases because it was a truth and used it for his benefit. And when you're listening to people talk and they quote something, you can use that for your benefit to explain the gospel. If they've spoken a truth, just use that truth. It'll be there. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that we and that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to go to church. Oh, oh, that isn't what it says. Okay. He commands all people everywhere to bring a tithe into the storehouse. Is that what it is? Okay. He commands all people everywhere to go to the fellowship meal in two weeks. Is that what it says? What does it say? Repent. He commands all people everywhere to repent. The word repent means change the way you're thinking. Change the way you're thinking. That's, uh, that's Franklin Graham calling me. Want me to come do an evangelistic service. So just tell him I'll get back with him. Yeah. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. That's Jesus. He has given proof to this to all men by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear more of you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. Folks, we live in an Acts 17 world. We don't, we don't live in an Acts 2 world anymore where everybody was religious and the Holy Spirit came and everybody got it. We're in an Acts 17 world. It's really a pre-Christian world now that we live in. Uh, this generation, Matthew's generation and Emily's generation, uh, 20 years old and under, only 11% attend church anywhere. 11%. So we are, we're in a pre-Christian culture now. And so we have to approach it that way. We have to listen to what people, we have to be really good listeners to what people are saying and then when they say a truth that we can use to help them point to Jesus, we use that to help point them to Jesus. Help them come to know the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God who created everything. Because people are worshiping idols. You, know? you can see them walk around worshiping their idols all day long you know? in the form of a cell phone that they're worshiping. We all worship something. Right? And so what are we worshiping? Let's worship the God who made everything. The unknown God. Let's worship that God. Not the gods who've been made by man's hands. Because they will let you down every time, I promise you. Man will let you down every time. An object will let you down every time. But God will never let you down. Ever. Ever. 